Morning, everybody. We're continuing on in our Only the Beginning series, and we're in the book of Acts. And today we find ourselves in the book of Acts, chapter 6. A little bit of a backdrop so far. The church at this point, uh, after Jesus has resurrected, the church is maybe two, three hundred, or two or three years old, somewhere in that area. Um, there's different commentaries that say different things, but it's going along for a while. A lot of great things have been happening. In chapter 5 last week, Claire talked to us about just the outpouring of the Spirit and living in the Spirit. Wasn't that amazing? And just hopefully all week we've been mindful of paying attention to the Spirit's leading. And then at that moment in chapter 5, Peter uh, is imprisoned, right? And there's some imprisonment that happens with Peter and John, and they get released. And I love the way that Acts chapter 6 starts out with that as a backdrop, that there's just been a prison release. Now, all along, people have been giving their life to Christ. Awesome things are happening. But Luke, Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, also wrote Acts. I love how he starts out Acts chapter 6, and this is what he says. <laughs> things were going well. That's what the verse, the voice translation says, is things were going well. People were getting thrown in prison, but they're getting out. So things are going well, and they really were going well. But I love the faith posture and the optimism of Luke here. Things were going well, and the number of disciples was growing, but a problem arose. How many know that even in your relationship with God, especially when you're in community, when you're in a faith family, problems are, arise, right? Problems arise in your own family. And this is what Luke says. He says, the Greek-speaking believers became frustrated with the Hebrew-speaking believers. The Greeks complained that the Greek-speaking widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So let me just explain a little bit to you here. So what's happening here is these are all Jewish believers for the most part. They've been converted, but part of them are, uh, are Hebraic Jews. In other words, old, think Old Testament kind of Jews that have now been converted. They're, they've lived the life of Judaism. The Hellenistic Jews, or what's being said here as the Greeks, are the Jews that have at some point left Jerusalem, but they're still Jewish in nationality, and they've come back to Jerusalem, and they kind of know a different culture. So it's, this is the first point in the Scripture where we kind of have a culture clash. There's a disagreement, there's a problem, and it says the twelve can be convened. So the apostles convene, and they convene the entire community of disciples. So they gather everyone that's calling themselves a Christ follower, and the 12 say this. They come to this. We should solve this problem. We could solve this problem ourselves, but it wouldn't be right. If you have a Bible, you can underline that, but I'm going to read it again. We could solve this problem ourselves, but it wouldn't be right. So this is the first time where we come to a place. The church is really growing here in the book of Acts. It's growing kind of exponentially. This is the first time where the apostles say, we need to multiply ministry. Everybody say multiply ministry. We have to multiply serving. So he says, we, they say we need to focus on proclaiming God's message, not on distributing food. So friends, find seven respected people from the community of faith. These people should be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Whomever you select, we will commission them to resolve this matter. 
so we can maintain our focus on prayer and serving not meals, but the message. So what the apostles are saying, they're not saying that the work here, this is kind of, this is food distribution. Think food pantry. And there's a lot of widows. And the whole concept of feeding those that are without becomes a powerful characteristic of the New Testament church, of the church, and it's growing and helping those in need. And this is kind of a new concept that's being released. They come to this place where it's getting difficult. The apostles are saying there's just too much ministry. They're not saying that the ministry of feeding the poor or feeding the widows in this case is something that's not important. What they're saying is it's very important. And we could do that or we can do really what we're gifted to do. And it's at this point that they say, pick some other leaders. And they come up with seven leaders that are, the Scripture says, are full of the Holy Spirit and people of wisdom. So these are people that are recognized out of the group already as people that are leaders. The whole community, the Scripture says, Greek and Hebrew speaking, were very pleased at the plan. So they chose seven. And then the Scripture goes on and says who the seven are. These people presented or represented the apostles who then, or they, they were presented to the apostles who then prayed and commissioned them with the laying on of hands. And listen, the message of God continued to spread and the number of disciples continued to increase significantly in Jerusalem. Even priests in large numbers came to obedience in faith. This is a defining moment in the church. You can easily miss it, but this is a powerful, powerful moment in the church, and this is a powerful invitation for us as a faith community, the church here in the parking lot, the church online. This is a powerful invitation to us always to remember. So what's happened, Luke is interesting because Luke has, this is the fifth time Luke has actually referred to, by Acts chapter 6, the fifth time he's talked about the numbers of people that are becoming believers in the church. The previous four times, whether it's in Acts chapter 2 where Peter preaches and then it says there were added to the church 3,000 people on that day, the previous four times Luke describes the increase as an addition problem. There was added to the church. It meant if it was 5,000 or 3,000, there was added. So the first four times it's added, this is the first time in the original language, not in the voice version, but in the original language where it says, and the number of disciples multiplied. When you multiply serving and you multiply ministry, it multiplies God's effect on the earth and on people's lives. For the first time, because the apostles step back and say, we've kind of maxed out. And we're doing everything we can if we start to serve tables and then we're doing the food pantry thing, which is really vitally important, then we're going to have to reduce what we're doing over here. And they recognize their giftedness, where their best strengths are. I want you all to know, no matter how young or old you are, that you are gifted. Look at the person or people that are with you and just remind them that they're gifted. You are gifted. You have gifts. God has given you a gift or gifts. Now think about gifts in this way. Think about gifts as you are powerful. Gifts that God gives into our lives, talents and resources, our abilities, those things that God re releases into our life is a measure of power. You are gifted 
which means you are powerful. You have a measure of power. The scripture tells us later in the book of 1 Corinthians that to each one of us, when we give our life to Christ, to each one of us is given a gift in accordance with the Holy Spirit. It's God's, it's God's desire and discernment and his release into your life and mine, the gifts and resources that he gives to us in accordance with the Spirit. Some people have more gifts. Some people have have different, we all have differing gifts in accordance with the Spirit. So what the apostles are saying here is our main gift is preaching and praying, teaching. That's our responsibility. We recognize the gifts that the Spirit has given. Now it's interesting because what you see in this multiplication that happens, imagine this, imagine if all of us employed the gifts that God's released in our lives to the full. Imagine how that would multiply out God's presence, not only in Marshall, Michigan, not only in Coldwater, Michigan, not only in Battle Creek, Michigan, not only in Albion, Michigan, not only in all the surrounding towns, but imagine the impact if we were to fully engage the ministry that's been, the, the power of the ministry and the, the invitation for service that's been given to all of us. Now we start to see in the church that the church is not going to operate by the world system. And that's always the temptation. See, what, what the apostles make sure everybody realizes at this point is that we are not of this world and we're operating a different way. See, because when you start to think about gifts being released and you start to think about talents and you start to think about power released, you can easily begin to think, well, that can be really bad. Power is a bad thing. Power is kind of neutral released in your life. Talents and gifts are neutral in your life. It's how you employ those things. See, the world system employs power to be elevated and to a place in order to be served. But what the apostles are trying to impart here is we are, we are going to pay attention to the power released in all of our lives in order that we can serve. That's the upside-down kingdom that we live in as Christ followers, is the more power released into your life, the more you should be growing into becoming a servant. That's the Jesus way of doing things. See, talent, gifts, influence, your wealth, position, fame. The reason that it's given to you and I is to serve. The world says the reason it's given is to be served. The, the, it's interesting. I, I recently was reading Forbes. Forbes magazine just came out with the top 400 wealthiest people in the world. And it confirmed what has been known for a long time, that in the world system, the more money that's released into your life, and this is, a, this is a world system, the more money released into a person's life under the world system means less generosity. If you were to split the world's population in half, and you were to say the top half, what's their financial generosity giving level, and then you take the bottom half and what's their giving level, the bottom half is twice as generous on paper as the top half. Not numerically, because they don't have as much, 
but percentage-wise. See, because the world system is, I will elevate myself, I will get more power in order to be served more. But God has a different way for us. God's system says if you want to be first, for instance, you need to be last. If you want to be great, then you choose to serve. Power is not the problem. Again, it's the worldly use of power. That's the problem. You find it even sometimes when you, when you hear people pray, you wonder, it's hard to not wonder if the prayer for increase and prosperity isn't in order to get more power to consume more for their personal pleasure. Even in the church, it happens with us. The invitation is that I would pray for increase, that I would pray for the power of God to be released in my life so that I can be a more effective servant, that I can have a a more uh, influential impact on the world, that you could have a more influential impact on the world. Jesus lays out the example this way. This is powerful stuff. In John 13, it was just before the Passover festival, just about before, just before Jesus is going to go to the cross. Jesus knew his hour had come to leave the world and to go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Remember, Jesus says in John 17, a little bit later, that you are of the world, but you're not a part of it. Or you are in the world, but you're not of the world. I'm sorry. So the evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus, listen to this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. This is powerful stuff. The Father had put all things under Jesus' power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So think about this. Jesus at that moment realizes all power is released to him. He has all power. This is so challenging for us. Jesus can do anything at this moment when it comes to power. Jesus Jesus can create heavens right now in this moment. Jesus can free himself from from what's about to happen. Jesus can heal. Jesus can do whatever he wants. All power, the scripture says, in that moment, in that room, all power, and Jesus is aware of it, is on him. And look what his response is. It is the kingdom response. It's the Jesus way. He had come from God. He was returning to God, so he got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, And after that, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus had come to the pinnacle while he was on earth of power. And he gives us by life example what the call is, as power is released into your life and mine. It's to serve It's to have the power to serve, to minister, to reach out, to be generous, to utilize the power that you've been given not to be served, but to serve, to live contrary to the world system. 
The more wealth released into your life, the more you should give away. The more, the more influence given in your life, the more you should serve with that. The more education you get in your life, the more you should employ that for God's kingdom purposes. The more fame or position or gifts you sense in your life. See, right now, you may say, I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't feel like I've got a lot of, I don't have a lot of wealth. Every day is a training process for us. Don't think that any of us wakes up one day and says, now I finally reached a level of influence in my life. I'm going to start acting like a kingdom-believing person. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to pick up a towel. Today is the day to find out how can I serve around the church? How can I serve around my community and my neighborhood and my family? How can I serve better in my workplace? How can I bring God's kingdom to the earth? Our heart cry should be, God, expand our capacity to serve. Our prayers should be, be flavored with praying for God helping us with an ability to serve. The scripture here, as I said in the beginning, goes back. Luke comes back for the first time and says the church, the number of disciples multiplied for the first time. See, because ministry multiplies. When we come together in ministry, it multiplies. Imagine with me for a moment if we all just kind of upped our game when it came to serving. However that looks, whatever the invitation is for you or for me, you might say, well, I don't even know what the opportunities around the church are, especially right now. Because we want to believe that every ministry opportunity in the church, sometimes we want to believe it's all on Sunday morning, but it's just not true. It's all week long, every day, there's stuff going on. You can just connect in the church office, get a hold of Kathleen, call the church office, and she'll help you recognize your gifts and how maybe you could help out. You might think, well, my gifts aren't important. Everybody's gift is important. As measure of the Spirit given, God's full of wisdom when he gave you the gifts he's given you. Or maybe it's in other ways. Maybe it's not just the church, certainly. There's other opportunities to serve. See, multiplied ministry and multiplied service matters because people matter. If, if it weren't about people, then we could just forget even thinking about serving. But people matter. They matter to God, therefore they matter to us. Every person this morning, right now, while we sit in this parking lot and worship together and enjoy God's presence together, there are people waking up in bondage around this area there's people waking up with addictions. There are young people that are waking up full of trauma because they're living in unsafe homes. There are young people that are longing to just hear a word from God about their purpose. All around this region, ministry matters because people matters. Ministry matters because the family of God matters. I love when the scripture says, make sure first, thought, first off, that you pay attention to the household of faith. See, as we're all built up together, we can serve more effectively as we encourage one another and we encourage our children together and our young people as one. Then we can go out because we receive more, we give more. 
We have more resources to give when we're encouraged in our faith. So ministry matters because people matter. Ministry matters because the family of God matters. And ministry, I think, most matters because eternity really matters. I want you to think about anyone you have a sense around you may not be on their way to heaven right now. Claire and I had a conversation this week about some people that we know that we are gonna, we're going to pay closer attention to because eternity matters and we're, our hearts are heavy for them because life is going on and, you know, we're just, you can start to feel like you're just trying to survive through a pandemic or whatever. The reality of it is, is life is rolling on and people are moving on and eternity matters. And I want you to just wonder with me, wonder how in the world could you serve those that are away from God around you? How could you help those young people that seem like they're not paying attention to God his presence in their life. Or maybe those that are older that you're longing for, maybe family members or people that you work with. Ministry matters because eternity matters. Nobody's getting out of here alive is what's said. And ultimately there's an eternity for all of us So our serving, our being like Jesus, humbling ourselves, saying, I'm going to pick up a towel. In the moments of my most powerful, influential places in my life, I want to be serving at my most powerful level. So Lord, right now I pray for all of us. I pray, God, you'd help us increase and expand the capacity in our hunger to serve. Give us ideas, even in this moment, of how we might effectively serve your kingdom. We place ourselves before you because people matter. And we pray for the people of this region. We cry out for them. Pray, God, that whatever their needs are, that if there's anything that we can do as individuals or as a church, that you'd help us know that and live into that. We pray for the family of God, not just Crossroads Church, but we know that the family of God matters. And God, we pray, we just pray for, even as we see here in Acts 6, that there would just be this beautiful posturing of service and release of power in the way that is good and right and helpful. And Lord, we pray for anyone we're aware of that's away from you. And we pray for them. We pray, God, because we know eternity matters. And even in this moment, that might be you. You might be the one. In hearing those words, you might be saying, well, eternity matters to me, and I've been away from God. I want to just encourage you right now, just invite God into your life. Say, I recognize my eternity matters. And Jesus, I accept you into my life. I turn from trying to do things by the world system, and I turn to your way of doing things. Help me. I receive your forgiveness. 
and I open my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Look down from the broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touch down on the cold black top, hold on for a sudden stop. Breathe in the familiar shock of confusion, chaos. Of all these people going somewhere, why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to her right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife He's out of work, he's buying time All these people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah Amen. So if you want, just posture yourself to receive a blessing as we go from this place today out into our homes, our, back to our careers, back to our family situations. Right now, I just speak God's blessing into your life and over your life. I pray that God's Spirit would fill you with the gifts that can only come from heaven. And I pray that as God releases influence and power and goodness into your life and mine, that you would walk as a servant, washing the feet of all those you come into contact with, ministering, blessing them, serving them, serving the world that you've been called to serve. In Jesus' name, be blessed, friends. Have a great week. Love you guys so much. The Lord bless you and keep you. God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord's face turns toward you and give.
God's favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family, in your children, and their children, and their children. May God's presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. God is with you, God is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going. 